wanted to have a few minutes. I was like, you, you normally started and, and the music plays for a little while. So I thought, oh, great opportunity to water some plants. You can water plants and talk to us, dude. You're good. How's my, how's my audio, guys? Is my audio coming through all right? Yeah, no, sounds good. Sounds good. I had to readjust my settings, Brad, um, because it was clipping some of my audio when I replayed it. It was like muffled and stuff. I was like, what? How is this muffled? Like, what's with the mufflage? It's like Dindler muffler. You know, it's like, what is going on? You're cutting out a letter in each word on my end. I don't know. Maybe that's my cellular connection. Wait a minute. Is, are people lying to me right now? So a letter in each word you're saying is getting cut off right now? Like there's a slight, like, like, you know, like cut out in Real cool, words, Brad. Yeah. Real cool, Brad. Brad's just sitting there going, I don't know, whatever, dude. I don't really care. I, I said so it might doobie. be my connection. Nah, he's probably, well, I mean, you are on an Android, so I can definitely see that as a problem. But uh, besides that, yeah. <laughs> How are you guys? All right. I want to know from everybody else who's on here, am I really clipping? Because it feels like he might not be lying. Bread. 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 Sounds good for me. Um, I've got any issues. You here. sound fine, man. I don't know. You sound like a, you sound a little clippy too, dude. You sound a little muffled too, by the way. I'm not at my desk right now. I'm heading back there now. Oh, okay. Well, then whatever you're on is the clipping. Yeah, it's, yeah, that thing's clipping, dude. It's like major clippage. Now that I know, it, I know. Now that I know the lingo, I'm just gonna be calling it out left and right. Clip it, clippage. <laughs> Yeah, so where's everybody at? You think my question to you guys is what do you think? Morning show, afternoon show, evening show? Because right now there's really not too many slots. And there's only like a there's literally only a thousand people maximum that will listen in on an an audio space for sure. Everybody else that has, you know, around eight hundred to a thousand people listening in their space, like always they have bots on top of that if they have more than that. Like if the numbers show more than that. Like anybody that shows more than, you know, 800 to a thousand, there's no question they have bots and I've seen it. Every space I've gone into, people were using bots at some point. They were just messing around. I think it was Friday, which by the way, I even got hit by bots on Friday. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that, but I had to cut like 200 extra listeners at the bottom. I don't understand why people do that except for, you know, to make maybe skew the numbers or make people look disingenuous. Either way, it's not a good, it's not a good look. Um, it's interesting though. And everybody wants to collaborate. Everybody talks about collaborating in this space. Hey, let's collaborate. Let's get, let's do things together. No one wants to collaborate. Not in real life, dude. I've reached out to like every morning show, by the way. Hey, let's collaborate. They send me question marks. They send me question marks. Like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, what do you think collaboration means? <laughs> uh, let's let's do an audio space together. Let me just 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 send them the dictionary uh, view of that bag. Just you know the quote. Just send that back. This is what collaboration means. Yeah, I I don't think they really care. I think they just throw a question mark up so they don't have to like respond ever again. Like just throw a question mark up and then you don't have to respond. So I have a big, by the way, I got a space tomorrow. Um, You guys will be interested in this one. I think Uh, I've been talking with somebody named Patrick Amanda, um, Amandan, a maiden, sorry, Patrick Amaden, 
Um, really, really cool guy. I met him at the uh, an NFT event on Thursday. Um, really, really nice, like super kind. And he, I'm like, hey, you want to come on the audio, audio chat? And he was like, yes. Um, has 140,000 followers on Twitter. Never, I didn't know who this guy was until I looked him up and I was like, damn, this guy has uh, done some crazy good art for a lot of a lot of cool places. So just an FYI, there is a good space tomorrow, a good guest. And I'm going to schedule that out shortly. But in this space, which by the way, is also being recorded just by me instead of uh, Twitter spaces, the good news is I can clip out anything we don't want to, we don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to, everybody listening to. So uh, that's good times. Lucas. Yes, sir. Is there any chance of uh, pinning uh, the a post with this guy so we can have a look and uh, do a little investigating ready for tomorrow? Yeah, as long as you're not like creeping on him and like DMing him like, hey, how's it going? We should be friends. Let's, <laughs> uh, I was hoping you could be my like godfather to my kid, you know, stuff like that. Not okay. I've already got the, I've already got the <laughs> DM written out. I just need to, to know where to send it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, hold on. I'm going to I'm going to write a post right now and then I'm going to I'm going to pin in the space cuz I think he said he wanted to do it at 10 a.m., um, which is a tough time, but it is what it is, you know, like I can't make him do it any earlier. Uh, like I said, unbelievably kind person. There's a lot of people out there that has like that have like big followings, and then they pretend to be big, you know, basically something they're not. I don't know. Um, do I sound better now? You do, bro. Crazy, crazy better. What about me though? Now that you can hear me on your high quality shit, like, what are your thoughts? Am I clipping? Am I not clipping? I fixed it. I adjusted it right here in my face, but I don't know if it's right. It doesn't doesn't sound like you're clipping. But does it sound as good as like a radio host or something like that? Or do I have like, too big like, of a bottom on it? No, no, definitely not too big of a bottom. Because we like we like big bottoms. I like big bottoms on my audio. Do, do you do you know what, Lucas? Uh, I I'll throw this out there as as honest as I can. You're not as as clear. It sounds like you're a little bit further away from the mic than bread is. Bread is coming across. Yeah, I'm wondering why though. Bread, are you're not using a Rodecaster Pro, right? No, I'm right. Not Which using is Rode. such. I'm using a Sure. Such a disappointment because then I don't know what what thresholds you're set at, what ratio, what attack you have set, what you know the release and the gain. Do you have any of those numbers at hand by any chance? I do not. Well, actually, I do. I have my gain set at like four and a half. My direct monitor set at six. My gain is at, my gain is set at four. Um, I don't see an I don't see a a direct monitor thing here. So I have threshold ratio attack release gain. My gain is set at four, not four and a Wait, half. Are those on your microphone or are those digital controls? Digital, like on your digital, interface? digital main. Oh, okay. My main digital master compressor is what I'm looking at right now. Master, master, and compressor. I genuinely, I genuinely feel like I'm missing out here. I, I've been thinking about getting a roadcaster. Don't do it, bro. Recently. Don't do it, bro. Let me no, tell you. Let me do, and let get, me tell I'm you why. Get the sure. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Don't get any of them. So first, be unbelievably consistent for like thousands of hours until you know for sure you want to do this. The only reason why I invested is that I put in thousands of hours, and I was like, "What am I doing?" And actually. A Rodecaster Pro or any of this gear that we're using makes it harder to do an audio cast. And here's why. Professional gear makes you sit at a desk 
and you know what I mean? Like record and set up everything and actually, you know, you could, otherwise you could do your audio space from bed, bro. Like it doesn't matter at the end of the day, you could do it from anywhere. So I, I think I was way more proficient and consistent when I didn't have gear to worry about. So I'm saying, if you want to, if you want to be sure you want to do this, be unbelievably consistent for 90 straight days, not 30. Cause that's easy. Not 60. Also pretty easy. But if you're going to be consistent, I'm, I'm sorry, dude, but it is, it's just fucking easy. Like you're talking to a guy who did it for like hundreds of days in a row. I mean, how, how do you crank up 5,000 hours, right? You don't just do that. No normal person does that. I am an anomaly wrapped in like a fucking outlier. So don't, I don't recommend doing that either. But can I tell you, that was a port in the storm during a pandemic and everybody came into my port for, you know, over a year. They were, I was the, the one-stop shop for everything NFTs, just for an audio space, not for like much else. But people came in and we had great discussions. And now everybody and their mother, like, all the people that are hosting audio spaces now were in my audio space at once, literally just as speakers, all of them. There's not one of them that started from scratch. They were all in my audio spaces, having conversations back and forth, and now they're hosts. So um, specifically a guy named Jonah, like that guy was in my audio spaces all the time. He practiced like crazy until he figured out like, hey, I definitely want to do this. So, I mean, I give him credit and I would do the same thing. Sarah, I know you jump into audio spaces like crazy. I don't remember where I found you in the first place, but loved your takes. Like I saw you and everything like bread's been around since day, like almost day one, since I've been doing audio spaces, I wouldn't say exactly day one. He was like about two or three months late to the game, but you know, close enough to day one. I've been doing them since the last week of April of 2021 and I crushed it. Oh, Mintify is here. Oh, what's up Mintify? Hey, how's it going? Good are, afternoon. Are you morning. are you mintifying or are you just like minting? What? <laughs> oh, that's what you get for Androids. You got to get an iPhone, bro. You got to get an iPhone. Hey, I'm not having any problems right now. It sounds yeah, good to me. Yeah, it doesn't sound good to me, though. I don't think we any of us think it really? sounds good. Yeah, none of us think that sounds good, bro. It sounds like a robot giving us that's like... That's unfortunate. Yeah, you got to get you gotta get yourself an iPhone, even if it's just for this. Definitely worth expensing. Talk to Evan about it, man. I promise he'll hook you up. Get one of those iPhone 14 Maxes, because if you're doing audio spaces on the regular, it'll be worth it. Anyway, Mintify, why don't you give us the, the market like recap over the weekend and give us, do you have any, like, do you have any, like, uh, do you also have any like drama or is it just mostly, you know, unvarnished, like straight up factual takes? Uh, there's some news related drama. I would say it's more factual than not though. (laughs) Let's go. I'm just kidding. All right. All right. All right. Let's run through this then. The, uh, Ethereum market volume was 35 and a half million Solana. 3.7. 3.7. It's actually pretty low for this past weekend, uh, maybe because everybody was distracted with that Super Bowl. The highest sale, 117 and a half ETH for CryptoPunk, 1587. NFT index top gainer was top 10 blue chip up to uh, 2.1%. We uh, led by Mutant Apes, just under 16 ETH floor price of 3%. And then both other side and CryptoPunks are flat. So I presume the majority of these gains in top 10 blue chip were actually um, some loss coming back towards the positives, but not positive yet. 
the top losing index, top 20 are down 1.6%, led by checks, unsurprisingly, uh, around a one ETH floor price at the time of writing, down 38%. Lucky Cat Coinbank, number two, uh, 0.115 ETH floor price down 13%, and Deep Black, I keep seeing this one in here, um, 0.68 ETH floor price down 8%. Some anticipated drops for this week. Joy World, actually, that actually minted, I believe, uh, started minting 30 minutes ago for Whitelist. Um, next is Alfheim, which is on the 16th. Another Life from Violetta Zeroni on the 17th. And Ghost Boy was, uh, was announced to be this week. The actual date is still TBA. So some market updates, news. Coinbase will defend staking in court if necessary. That's following the Kraken news. The SEC is supposedly suing Paxos, alleging that BUSD is an unregistered security. Uh, the peg slid a little bit earlier today. Last I checked, it was still, still holding up, but definitely below the peg by a little bit. Uh, Yuga's trademark application was opposed. The opposition claiming that Yuga relinquished its rights to the trademarks when providing broad IP licensing to the original buyers. Uh, next, J Justin Aversano launched a photography collection, his a photography collection on Bitcoin for holders of his previous artworks. It was a 250 supply mint with a 0.2 Bitcoin mint price, around four four point three thousand dollars, I believe. Lastly, um, I guess there's two more NFT-related things. The Digidaigaku Dragon Egg <laughs> Mint sold out pretty much instantly, opened up at around 0.5 ETH, and did over 1,500 ETH traded since it got into the marketplace. It's pretty, uh, pretty hyped up. I'm not sure what you, your uh, opinions on the actual ad were. The floor at the time of writing came down to 0.3, uh, so down about 37%. And the checks burn also began yesterday. Nearly 6,000 of them had been burned since uh, the time of writing since yesterday. And there were currently uh, six single checks available. The hardest one to get required burning the most of them. I'm not exactly sure how many required, but it was a whole bunch. And the market stats, global crypto market cap. This stuff hasn't really changed all that much over the weekend. I was a little bit surprised after uh, it slid, but still holding up just over $1 billion. Uh, Bitcoin market, global market cap, Bitcoin dominance, 41.5%. Open interest, 6.92 billion, slid down a little bit from a little over 7 billion. And fear and greed hovering at 58 with crypto consolidating on the lows, not looking too great right now, but still holding up. Bitcoin around 21 and a half, down about 2.3%. And Ethereum, 1475, down uh, almost 4.5%. So it looks like uh, Bitcoin is still the less volatile one of the two of them. Always, but, uh, always all. has been, my man. Thanks for the update. So there's a couple, yep. couple of things on this. Right away, I start to think of ordinals. Like there was no conversation. You didn't update us on ordinals, brother. Um, that literally, the, the I heard entire like eight hour chats, Saturday and Sunday, about how important ordinals are going to be. What are you guys' thoughts on that? It kind of feels like some people are right, and uh, I haven't really had heard any really good takes on ordinals yet. Like everybody's like, "Oh, the ordinal of crypto punks are going to be amazing," and then I saw a whole bunch of creators, like founders of projects, saying, "You are not allowed to use my, you're not allowed to use our IP on ordinals," and that is a, a trademark violation for sure. 
if they're using like CryptoPunks to mint an ordinal um, or art that they have no permission to use, I can see that as a trademark violation. And people are using that uh, trademarks, you know, those trademark laws against people in the space so far. This, is, this isn't going to be the first time and it won't be the last. Like they might not be suing them now uh, or coming after them for IP, but they're going to eventually, that means they're either going to have to burn that ordinal um, or they, they just can't sell it. Because as soon as you sell that ordinal with a CryptoPunk on it, you're you're infringing instantly on their IP because you're trying to make a profit from it. So it just doesn't make much sense to me why people are all like up in arms about that. I, I wanted, and straight up guys, I wanted a, I wanted an ordinal punk so badly. Trust me, I hit up Brett so many times. I'm like, bro, bro, get the, get up. <laughs> we gotta get these punks. Life-changing money. Let me tell you, it still would have been life-changing money for sure because, you know, by the time people started to figure this out, I would have already sold my ordinal punk and, you know, made like a half a million dollars on it and then, you know, whatever later. Who cares, right? Um, Anyway, what are your guys' thoughts on like these ordinals? Dude, the IP thing is cracking me up, man. Because, I mean, like realistically, it's like, it's only an IP thing as soon as they sell it. You know, I mean, like realistically, like you could make a hundred million of them and sit on them and hang them on your wall or whatever, you know, but but as soon as they sell them. Yeah. Isn't the purpose of selling like, I mean, this is just my opinion. Isn't it the idea to make money? Right. I mean, that's why we're doing it. Like I don't want an ordinal punk because it's going to be worth nothing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. What do you guys, any thoughts? I, I'm open to any thoughts on this one because I'm, I'm making them. I mean, I, I've been inscribing the past couple of days just to, you can't inscribe punks. So they're already, they're all inscribed. No, no, right? I have no interest in anybody else's IP. I'm more interested in like the, the, the tech behind it and seeing, because it's so early with these that like, realistically, I feel like they're, they're half hype cycle, you know, whatever, just like moving on to the next thing, you know? Um, and the other half of it, though, seems like there could be, I mean, as far as the on-chain art, immutable, you know, on-the-chain forever type stuff, like, I mean, it's definitely cool. Um, and it, it's, what's interesting about it is that, like, you know, with with NFTs, you know, as we see them on Ethereum and most of the other places, it's like, it's a separate token, right? It's a 721 or an 1155. It, it's It's an entirely separate token that yes you could put your art on chain and you could have it immutable in that token um but with the ordinals it's actually a part of the bitcoin currency ecosystem you know um i i've been explaining it like you could either pay a hundred dollars for a, a gary v autograph picture and that's that um or you could have gary v sign a hundred dollar bill and that's closer to what an ordinal is where it'll always have at least i mean unless usd goes to zero but it'll always be worth that hundred dollars whereas the picture that you paid a hundred dollars for probably isn't worth shit to anybody else you know so I, i think they're interesting but i don't think that especially as of right now there's any purpose point reason to doing this right i mean 10k collections like founded on ordinals might make sense but there is no well, yo, there is no the, metadata so no, well and the problem with these collections right so i've been making these and it roughly costs about 20 dollars in bitcoin to make one to inscribe and ultimately receive back a dollar like 15 in in an ordinal because it's written on a single sat 
And so $20 per, I mean, anybody doing a 10 K collection has just money to burn. So realistically, like, you know, yeah, or, the juice they, might be worth the squeeze. But. Well, here's the thing. I, I think about that and I don't disagree with you, by the way. Um, a hundred percent. I don't disagree with you. Like people got to have money to make these projects work. Um, I can see people that do have money that will make these projects work. You said it's $20 per. That's what it's, that's uh, on average. I've been ranging between like 19 to So all they need is 200 grand. I mean, I, that sounds like a lot, but not to. <laughs> yeah, only. Not, not, only not to a lot. Grand. Yeah, but 200 grand versus somebody that's going to buy a whole bunch of ordinal, like ordinal NFTs. Um, like that, you could sell those for a lot. And then it just, I mean, the project could just blow up because it's like the, I have not seen an ordinal 10k collection which i'm sure there are a te- there are 10k collections on ordinals right now but as soon as there is like i mean someone made a, a valid point over the weekend they were like where are the, where's where are the apes gonna go if they're not on ethereum right if let's just pretend like there's a higher tier of like product and theoretically speaking an ordinal is a higher tier of product it's burned on chain um you never have to worry about that also, that ordinal itself will have its own inherent wealth attached to it. The ordinal will never, you know what I mean? The ordinal is, is going to, like, as soon as Bitcoin goes up, ordinal price goes up. It, exactly, yeah. It, so. It's worth, it'll always be worth what the currency is. It's essentially like if we were to make NFTs on on, on Gwei, you know, and start inscribing ERC-20s or portions of ERC-20s. Like, it'll always be worth value of the currency. We could kind of do that today, couldn't we? To say like, hey, you know, each of like, we're going to do a 10K collection. The mint fee is 0.01 ETH. The mint, like the mint fee that you pay goes into a liquidity pool where you can burn your NFT to get 0.01 ETH back. Right. So it's like. Wait, what? I'm confused, bro. Who wants to like pay 0.1 ETH to get your, I don't even know what that means, bro. Like that sounds like I'm a lot just of saying, work. Like, you could, sounds like a lot of work, could, bro. You could peg your NFT to like a value of ETH if you set up like a liquidity pool for it. By the well, way, I mean, thanks could... for Nick for being up here. What's up, Nick? How's it going, Slick Nick? What's up? What's up? Yeah, super busy. Tax season. Right? Vibes. Yeah. Drive me nuts. Well, I mean, you've been able to send messages on Ethereum forever, like since like day one before all of these NFTs and all this stuff came up. So, I mean, realistically, you could just sign a message on Ethereum that is data for an NFT. That's what I think. Do you guys see um, UINTS? It's like who? UINTS, U-I-N-T-S. Unsigned integers. Yeah, well, no, it's a, there's a, it's like an open edition checks kind of thing that dropped recently. I bought a bunch. Uh oh, uh, so Nick's pumping his bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, disclaimer: I bought a bunch, but I'm just looking at it right now. If anybody heard of it yet? Pumping bags. I saw pumping it. Bags. I saw it yesterday. Somebody talking about UNS, and you know, all I could think about was like, yeah, integers. Oh, like, I guess I got us Nick pumping his bags. Just like talking about like things where he bought and then going, man, these are dope, man. Check them out. Oh, by the way, I have some. I mean, I wouldn't say they're dope. Oh kind of shit! No, they're not dope. So now you're hating on your hating on the people who own them. Okay, I got you. No yeah, yeah, you can't win. <laughs> I was just for that. You can't really win in this situation, Nick. It's all over with, man. It's all over with. So, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. These these ordinals. Now, I actually thought ordinals were the were the jam at first. I just uh, I think it's definitely the jam to get like Bitcoin people involved. This is the way to get Bitcoin people uh, not like not disliking NFTs. I think because I know it's clogging up like the Lightning Network. It's now become like the Lightning Network minus ten uh, because it's slowed down because there's like now there's like extra data on these ordinals. Um, I don't know, yeah, man. I don't know. It takes about a half an hour to inscribe one just because of the transaction times between sending your sending the Bitcoin and then having it be inscribed and then sent back to you like round trip. It's about a half an hour per ordinal to create. Yeah. None of this makes any sense. Like why it's so complex. I mean, first off, like how do you know you get your ordinal, right? Wasn't there like some kind of trick there about ordinals where it's like yeah well because you can spend it technically because it's on it's written or inscribed onto a single satoshi so if you don't freeze they're called uxtos and if you don't freeze your your uxto then you can accidentally spend the satoshi that is actually inscribed there's nothing that stops anybody from doing that so it's like if you have one of these ordinal punks and it isn't in the right wallet or isn't frozen even though you spent a you know a whole bitcoin on it you could accidentally spend that ordinal punk on just like gas essentially yeah it sounds like a good way to get wrecked yeah it also sounds like yeah it just doesn't sound good to me no it's way overcomplicated it makes me second guess like the whole thing man you know what i'm saying hey nick that looks like a different mutant ape do you have like how many mutant apes do you got bro no i just have one i did some trading around um so is this a I, new mutant ape or no? Yeah, 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 yes. But um, this I, is the I one recognized I'm it. for a while. I recognize that it was a new mutant ape. You notice how I, I'm the only one who caught that? Yeah. Is that yeah, no X mutant ape or like a real mutant ape? No, it's a real one. I know he's got the yellow background. Damn, yellow background, sure. like yeah, I, threw me I, off. I, I got a trade again now. So I <laughs> you know what you could do? You don't. First off, you don't need the octagon, hexagon, whatever the heck it is. Um, I mean, you see me rolling around with my cool cat. There's a reason why I have that pink background. It didn't really, it doesn't really have a pink background. Mine's fluorescent green background, but I didn't like it. So I decided to customize it a little bit. I'm like, you know what? I like pink and that's what I'm going with. Hot fucking pink. Bring it. I love it. Real men wear pink, right? Well, if you can get away with it, I mean, that's the key. It's not for everybody. It's the key is if you can get away with it, good as gold. Good time. That's true. Yeah, I can't. I canceled my Twitter Blue because they're raising it to eleven dollars. Because they already raised mine, bro. If you pay through the internet, supposedly it's eight bucks still. Um, I can't do that for some reason. Like I, I went to do it. Um, you know, canceled my one through iPhone, and go on the web, and it doesn't let me do it. it just says, you know, sign up. You have to sign, sign up. up. You have to sign up. I just think it's so ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. like I hold on a sec, Red. You're 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 causing a Red's causing a. a echo there um oh, yeah uh, nick you're right you're killing me man you're killing me man <laughs> um yeah the um like i tried to change my profile picture and then it was like i had to wait like five days like seriously off of just a profile picture change yep yo i'm looking at it right now on uh on on my computer and like i was gonna hit up blue yesterday and i was like 11 bucks nah, bump that i think it's cheaper on the computer and straight up um it's if you pay for the year up front, seven bucks a month, seven, even $84 for the year. Where do you pay for it though? If you have an iOS dude, like it doesn't let me cancel. 
and uh, pay for it on like the desktop? Oh, I don't know. I, I because I had it and let it expire, and now I'm on my desktop. And if I I just clicked like you know like Twitter Blue or whatever on my Twitter homepage, and it says uh, sign up now, seven dollars a month if you pay for the year, or eight dollars a month if you want to just pay monthly. That blows. Why would anybody pay monthly? Seven, you know what I mean? Like seven times 12 is affordable. Yeah, you save $12 for the year if you pay all up front. I like how I just beatboxed my way into that one. Is that what that was? Yeah, I don't really know. All right, that's enough out of you. So seeing our audience is huge. What should we talk about, guys? So, uh, I mean, we could bring up uh, the, like, UFOs that have been shot down. Over Dude, they're friggin' balloons. Okay, anybody like, okay, here's a problem I have right now. The news this is the first time I'm seeing this bias just to get more views and, uh, like, a lot more conversation. Like, a general misspoke today. And I know that, I mean, they're all balloons, dude. Like, just call them fucking balloons. They're balloons. We keep shooting down balloons. <laughs> some They're of them, distractions. Some of them for no reason. They're just be just for the heck of it. And it's like, why do we keep shooting down these balloons? Like one had no payload. It was just like a free floating balloon. And the general was speaking today. I, I heard him say it. It's hilarious because he slipped up and goes, yeah, we just keep wasting time shooting down these balloons. I mean, these uh, UFOs. <laughs> It's like, dude, we know they're balloons. If we called them balloons, no one would give a shit, right? And we just kept calling them like UFOs. Like, come on, dude. We know they're balloons. There's no reason to like call them anything else. But I, I've never seen that this actually happen where we, we change the narrative to try and make it sound cooler than it is. It's so blaringly obvious in my face. It's like, it's insulting. Like, I don't want to even watch the news anymore. When I watched it, and the, and the general's like, balloon. Oh, Red, you're killing me with the. You're killing me with the. You're killing me with the echo, Red. I don't know what you're doing over there, but it ain't doing it right. You ain't doing it right. So, uh, <laughs> I love uh, Red coming up. To, oh, and Red's gone. Hopefully, he comes back and does have something to, to add. Um, the speaker part is on these phones are very sensitive. So don't turn on, don't turn off mute. If you have a, a reflection, like a speaker reflection, that's echoing back at us. Oh, good. See, I think, I, th I think you're thinking about this wrong because I, I know for a fact that the UFOs are real because, uh, one of, one of my followers actually responded to me today saying that, uh, he's got one in his garage. So it must be oh wrong. <laughs> I'm sure he has a balloon in his garage. There's no question about it. Um, it's just tough, dude. It's tough to hear these guys um, consistently, consistently like just talk about this stuff. Um, and it's just doesn't make, and none of it just, just none of it makes any sense. Like, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to like overhype stuff. Even I've seen Twitter spaces talking about ufos um i'm not going to say who but they're pretty big twitter spaces uh with you know i noticed that uh, some of the bigger twitter spaces the big one especially the biggest one we got going in the space you know there's like nineteen thousand listeners and eighteen thousand five hundred are bots so it's like okay so how many people are actually listening to the audio space 
probably around a thousand guys. So just so you know, like that is like a legit tactic to grow fast is to send a whole bunch of bots to your space and then just have a bunch of speakers in there too. And you'll get everybody in there. If you can look, if you can actually load up your space with bots and just keep it going for like hours and hours, people will think you have like 20,000 listeners at all times when really you have 18,500, 18,900 extra listeners. If you are ever wondering if a space is botted, look at the bottom of the space and look at the additional listeners. When the additional listeners is more than the amount of people you could scroll through the audience and see, that's botted spaces. So I would say the biggest two spaces I've seen on Twitter so far, I'm not going to say who, but the big one is, again, 19,000 listeners and 18 plus thousand of them are bots. And then another space that has about 2,000 to 3,000 listeners regularly, I would say uh, at least 2,000 if there's 3,000. And if there's 4,000 listeners, there's 3,000 bots. So every, every single time, that's why I know there's about 1,000 people maximum on Twitter listening to spaces at least in these categories. And one of them is politics and news. And the other one is about NFTs and Web3. So again, there is a total of eight, 600 to 1,000 listeners at any one given time for sure. And that's it. So when you see an audio space that has like 1,000 people in it, that's everybody. <laughs> if there's no bots at the bottom, that's literally everybody that would listen in this, in that into that audio cast. So that person has 100% of the audience that they possibly could have until this space grows, which seems to be a long time from now. So if you're if you if you have like 3 to 500 listeners, 2 to 500 listeners, you're doing really really well for yourself. Um, you're, you're crushing it. And right now we are just crushing it in this space. We have at least, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight listeners total and speakers. Like we're crushing it, dude. Yeah, but I'm a bot, bro. So <laughs> we're crushing it right now. Friday when somebody sent me 200 extra bots, by the way, thank you for that. Um, whoever sent me those, uh, I had 200 extra listeners and it drove like at least another 40, 50 people into the space to listen. So it definitely works. It's just See, whether or called, not you're taken called, seriously. That's called bot gifting. Yeah. I just don't know. It could, could I, be I, a new thing in the space. I don't get it. I like it because it helped me get more people into the space, but I never even thought that uh, people would like try to nuke your space. And um, I don't understand why they do it. It, it, I guess it costs not that much money. Um, I honestly don't know where to do it, but I'm not adverse to doing it. The only downside is guys botting your space costs money hourly. So if you want like bots for like an hour, you have to pay a certain price. And if you want them for the next hour, you have to pay that price over and over and over and over again. So eight hours, let's just say times, I don't know, let's just say the small number of $10 per hour, right? You're paying 80 bucks to bot your space for eight hours. Um, and I don't think it's that cheap. So I think it's actually more expensive than that. I think you want like, I, someone I was talking to told me about how, you know, bot, how much bots cost and it's 15 cents per bot per hour. So if you want a thousand listeners, it's $1,500. So um, that's, no, sorry, a thousand listeners. Wow, that's not even right math. I apologize, wrong math. I think it's a hundred, that's a hundred and so if you want like a, 
how much was it that I just say a thousand? So you I've said seen, 15 cents per per bot per hour. Yeah. So how much is that Nick right now? The, uh, t- let's just yeah. say a thousand listeners per hour. Yeah. So it's 150 per hour. Okay. So 150 an hour for a thousand listeners in an hour. So that's why some of these spaces only last for about an hour because they don't want to pay for that second hour of those bots. So because it's hourly, they are, uh, you know, going cheap. So theoretically speaking, if you're getting sponsors and you're, you're really racking in people for, because of that, those bots, you're basically making, I don't know if you pay $150 an hour to like bot your space, you could get a sponsor and that sponsor will give you $500 or $700 a space. That makes sense. Financially good ROI. Um, and there are, you know, 800 to 1,000 real people in there when you're buying, you know, 2,000 bots to 2,500 bots. If you get everybody that's in the space, let's just say 1,000 people, to listen to your audio cast on a regular basis, that's just, that's the price. So, and, you know, one of the people I'm talking about actually bots their space and, and is completely open, like saying, hey, that's part of our strategy is to bot the space. So I highly respect that. I, uh, I'm a big fan of people like, saying, hey, man, we bought the space. That's part of the strategy. You know, you don't have to come into my space, but, you know, Elon Musk has been in there five times. So clearly, botting the space actually does work, um, and it helps you, like, grow really fast. And I'm talking, like, from 80,000 followers to 350,000 followers. Um, so, and I'm talking within six months or less. That's huge. You have a business there, so... Good times. What do we? What should we talk about, guys? Facero, bread, Mintify, anything? Nick Young, tell me. Tell me something good. I'm waiting on my blue check mark now. Yeah. Well, I don't know what that means. Like how long it takes. Um, I've, I've got a question for Brad. Um, talking about the inscribing, uh, and you're saying you're doing the inscribing. Uh, are you? Are you just doing your own NFTs, or are you just? putting random ones on there and uh what what are your thoughts around that yeah so i'm just i'm just making my own you know i'm not taking anybody else's i've got you know uh, several different folders of random art that i've done collections of that like at some point if the time is right like could be a good nft project could be a drop if like there was a team looking to do something and just needed some bs art because it's it's just BS art. I'm not an artist by any means, you know? And so, but because I have all these just sitting around and at the end of the day, I did create them. So it is, they are like, it's, there's no IP issues here. You know, if I was to sell them realistically, I'm probably not going to sell them because I, you know, I mean, just the steps and hoops you have to go through at this point to sell them is insane, you know? Um, and so I'm holding on to them. I've got a couple that are sub hundred thousand and that was really my goal, you know, is to just, get a few sub hundred thousand and then we'll see like in a few years is realistically where my head's at if there's some sort of historical value and a marketplace to sell them on and you know the the industry catches up maybe i'll sell them then if somebody wants them but i'm I'm more so playing with it for the for the tech and i really think that the the, the there's an interesting use case um and it still needs to be organized a little bit better um around essentially holding the ip and the provenance on bitcoin 
and using it similarly to how we use IPFS currently on the Ethereum chain. You know, so essentially it's like you could mint an NFT on Ethereum and instead of pointing to IPFS, which, you know, decentralized, totally cool, you're actually pointing to an inscription and that is where the image is. That's where the IP lies. That's your provenance. It's immutable forever, you know? And so essentially you're creating this art on chain without having to actually do like the on-chain art smart contracts that are involved on Ethereum. Uh, it's still kind of clunky and there's no real like good way to resolve some of these inscriptions if you do just point to them. I figured out a way to point to like essentially link to... Nerd. um you know, yeah, I am a huge nerd. Um, to link to like ordinals.com slash whatever the inscription number is. So you can actually see the image, but it won't load on OpenSea. It won't load anywhere. You have to actually like, you're like, cool, look at this NFT I have. And it's just a bunch of numbers and links and shit, you know? Yeah, you know what you should do is create a search engine for that, dude. And you can tie meta your own metadata to each ordinal. So you can actually say, here's the ordinal and here's what I know about it. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, that's how you do it. And people will then go and build out their, their ordinal information. Like, Hey, you know, ZK shark owns this ordinal, this ordinal, you know, basically they can go and make user generated content, become the search engine results. Um, only exactly. if they can confirm that they own the ordinal to update it. Feel me? So create, yep. that's how you fix it. Create a system that allows you to only update if you your ordinal is authentic and then let them fill in the blanks how they want to. So, they, I mean, here's a deal. How else are you going to sell these things if you're not able to search them and find the ones you want to find? So I think that's, exactly. the, that's the only way to do it is tie metadata to it on a different database, but, you know, tie it to ordinal number as your key to that database. Yep, yeah, exactly. But I've been looking at like, you know, because essentially like You're you welcome. can run. Thank you, sir. I appreciate all that alpha there. You know, like, I've been thinking about running it inside like a Docker container, you know, essentially like because there's ways to go about running like a private blockchain or even an instance of like a, a test network inside a container. And so if we could essentially store these things into a container, that's essentially just like a like a, like a data lake or like, you know, an a AWS type um, data service. I think that would solve a lot of problems, but I think the it, database so is where far, it's at. I think. I think the database yeah. is where it's at. You create a database that, that then has a cron that runs every time someone makes a new ordinal and it updates that database with a blank area next to the ordinal number person can come in and say, Hey, these are my ordinals. And the only way to find out if they're the true ordinals are some kind of like, connect read connect only by the way not enough to like f with anything i don't know how this works because there's no smart contracts so i don't know how to tie the ordinal to the database itself but that's the key is the ordinal number and you crawl all the ordinal numbers and then you display all of the ordinals in a data table on a website somewhere and you you can actually search ordinal numbers and see what you can actually see what's on the ordinal, like type in ordinal 10153 and, oh, look at that. It's a, it's a punk. Um, oh, look at that. That's a, whatever it is. Like you can see it in an image to see what the ordinal is and then let the person who owns it only be able to confirm they own it. And then they can update the record just like, uh, what's it called? Uh, Wikipedia in the old days when you can actually update records yourselves and stuff like that to make it legit. 
Well, and I mean, on the like, because like Bitcoin has uh, essentially it's called mempool. You know, it's it's like their block explorer kind of like you can. It's sort of scan their smart contracts. It's just essentially blockchain data. And like your phone's breaking up. Hard to see because I mean, oh sorry, that's what it sounded like. Is it mine? Is that better? I think that's just how he talks. No, that's not how he talks. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. I told you I'm a bot, bro. Come on, bro. I'm a total bot. AI, AI bot over here. You know it's not true. That's not. No, but what's what's interesting, dude, is on the mempool you can actually see. That's not interesting. I mean, because these are new, they they're bigger. You know, essentially, you can see how big some of these like blocks are compared to before ordinals. You know, it's it's wild. It's a bunch mm. of nerd, nerd, nerd stuff. Mm. I'm still caught up on the whole IP situation, and um, <clears throat> thinking the issues that you have further down. If you've if you've inscribed an NFT that isn't yours. Um, you know, it, obviously that's going to cause issues if you ever do want to go and sell, surely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I don't know how you, I mean, I guess you could always do like, I mean, we could go full circle here and, you know, get ink on paper for like, yep, here's this ordinal and I'm giving you the IP on it. You know, I mean, there's, but there's no smart contracts yet. So there's nothing really. I don't think there ever will be a smart contract for this. I don't think so either. No one wants Unless, that in the in the community at all. I'm positive the, about that. The only way a smart contract could come into play here is if somebody figures out like a bridge type protocol between Ethereum and these ordinals. And then, you know, essentially via ETH you could interact with a smart contract that then creates an ordinal or then does something over here on the on the Bitcoin chain. Which is not happening. So, you know, it is what it is. There's yeah. yeah. I don't think there's I really mean, it a comes need. Down to like if you look at the people who are like, oh, I burned my ape and minted it on as an ordinal, like, good luck. You're an idiot. Yeah. Good luck. Yuga's not going to like honor that. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get any airdrops. You're not going to. So, in order for any of that to like work or make sense, you know, the, the true owners of the IP are going to have to say, like, hey, we've, like Brett said, we've created a bridge. You can move your asset to Bitcoin if you want to. And we'll recognize it. Like, but yeah, that's it's not gonna happen. Or like shadow tokens, you could run a duplicate on both chains if you I guess if you really wanted to, like some yeah, of the multi chains are that doing. sounds like a lot of work, bro. No one's gonna do that shit. Like I don't know, man. I, I have a hard time believing anybody's gonna do any of this stuff. Um, that, that's because by the time they finish building it, everybody here in the industry is gonna be on to the next. So I don't think that has anything to do with it either. If there's value, people are gonna stay. I mean, that's like saying, hey, you know what? You know, we uh, there's some crypto punks, you know, available now. Um, you know, we're just going to move on because we got something else to look at. No way, dude. Like, I'd be on crypto punks, like, white on rice for sure. And Oh, yeah. It's, it's too early with these to tell if it's going to last or not. You know, and, unless somebody starts building some, like, actual usable tools, I, I don't. I don't know how far this is going to go. Again, unless Magic Eden steps in. I think that's that could be their saving grace the ordinal saving grace because ultimately it's written in rust. So if, if magic Eden steps in and, and does something that would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's going to step in and like save ordinals. I think ordinals will do something for sure. I just don't know what it would be. Honestly, I have no idea. None of this stuff. Like I get, I get the idea. 
of a fractional Bitcoin, a Satoshi. Um, you can tie it <laughs> to a, uh, put an image on it. Um, this is nothing new. It's not like we just invented putting an image on something. Um, I just don't understand why this has just come up. Anybody any, have any ideas of why putting an image on, on a Satoshi, which by the way, you could do back in like, you know, early, early times of like crypto, like why it's all of a sudden a thing. Anybody, anybody, is there a new way of doing it? Is that why this is happening? I don't know. I personally kind of feel like it's just Bitcoin maxis trying to like compete with the ETH NFT like market. You know what I mean? You think so? I don't know, man. I don't uh, know. Yeah, I mean, dude, every day, like ever the first, since I the really first, started. The first NFTs ever were on Bitcoin, colored coins, dude. Like, yeah, there's not yeah, much yeah. difference here. Like, we're not reinventing the wheel. So I'm just trying to find out, like, if anybody knows why all of a sudden this is a big deal. Is it a different way of creating NFTs on 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 uh satoshis like i think i'm pretty sure it was the same as it was before i just don't understand why it's like a, a rush to something that we've already been doing yeah i think it's new All it's I know a new, is that like new way for sure i think isn't it Nick? isn't this yeah, a new it, way? it is it is like a new way um i don't know too much about the topic but i do know that it's different from those originals that lucas was talking about um but no i like i think the problem is that like with the ordinals is that we don't have smart contracts like you can't enforce royalties so like all of the like benefits of nfts that we know from eth like you just don't have them mm. on the bitcoin side mm. so i don't know i mean ever since i got like really involved into crypto and nfts like you know but like when i was a normie or whatever i was buying bitcoin just because it was bitcoin you're such a normie, um, you know, bro. store of value, all that stuff. But like when I finally started looking at like, okay, well, what do I do with crypto? And then I started falling down the NFT rabbit hole. I realized like, dude, this is all ETH. Like there's no use for Bitcoin besides just paying people um, or like receiving payments, you know? And I, you know, that's why I'm, I'm a ETH maxi for sure. So, Yeah. I mean, everybody is because there's all, where's all the liquidity, but again, Bitcoin has a lot of liquidity. And the question is, why are people buying Bitcoin with no metadata on it and like an, an image burned onto it and there's nothing tied to it. So again, someone that creates the first search engine for ordinals, I think we're, will do pretty well for themselves. Um, as long as you can actually confirm that these ordinals are actually, you know, tied to the right person they the right the right people are filling in the blanks of like who owns it like what's on it things like that you create that database that search engine that does that you will be in a much better spot and i think the person that controls the information in in terms of that will be the one that controls how ordinals are used in the future too so create the first search engine that basically anytime an ordinal gets printed um you have it listed on your site um that has the search engine on it and people are allowed to somehow connect and prove they own the ordinal in order to update the record. That's it right there. That's enough for you to win in this, in this game, create something new. That's a great way to create something new and people will be excited about it. I think at least, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you guys think? Anybody search? Engine? No, I mean, I, I agree. 
So the hard part is creating the the search engine that updates when an ordinal gets minted. Um, and I think it's actually kind of easy to do that if you're a programmer. Um, pretty easy to, to pull data from a, a blockchain. Go ahead, Fasero. I was just going to ask Brad what he's doing for the rest of the day. This this could be your uh, afternoon spent uh, wisely. Oh, it sounds horrible, though. I, I like I hate building backend infra. That stuff drives me crazy. And like, like database management. You don't want to. You don't want to build something dude. super useful, bro. You want to just go build like the bud heads or the or the freaky freaky smoke weed heads or something, right? Like, go build something like that. Screw the database. That's like that updates with cron on new ordinals, and that makes everybody's lives easier. And then you blow up because holy shit, someone just built something new in the space that then like shows everybody who owns what ordinal if they want it to, you know, like here are all the ordinals type in the ordinal. You could even have um, image uh, recognition in your data, um, your data sets, because it's really easy. Now they have like, they have like frameworks out there that does like, you know, image recognition. So you can actually tell whether something's an ape, whether something's a crypto punk, you can tell all that stuff just from image recognition. So this database could actually be highly accurate without even you having to lift a finger. It'll give you like 98% accuracy on like crypto punks, 98% accuracy on like apes if they're minting them, 98% accurate on things that, you know, that are new. Um, and I don't know how to figure that out in terms of the new stuff, but it'd be pretty easy to say, if it looks like one of, if it looks like this, it's a crypto punk. If it looks like this, it's a, an ape, you know? So pretty easy to do. And I'm not even a programmer anymore. These are just like, I mean, I say like we each just throw like 500 bucks at it, outsource the shit out of it and let's go. Right. That's exactly this ethos of the space. Like don't do it yourself. Let somebody else do it and let's give everybody money to do it. And then, Hold on. We'll be surprised when like Fiverr doesn't come up with like someone who can really build it. It's a fucking clunky mess held together by spaghetti code. I can't wait to build something like that. It's going to be exciting. Woo. Hey man, if, if it, if it works and you take it to Polygon, they'll probably give you a couple million bucks. If it that. works for two seconds and then crashes like less than 30 days later, later it's useless. So yeah, that's all well and good until you're like a hundred grand invested and then you go to mint and you sell like 10, what are you talking about, Mint and Cell? We're talking about a database that crawls ordinals. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, we're talking about so a database that creates people. How many people are going to sign up for your database? Like three people. They don't have to. They don't have to pay. What do you mean? So then, this would be a database that displays ordinals by image recognition and by ordinal number, so that people can actually find their ordinals easily and make offers and stuff like that. What you do is. If you do build something into it, you just build a transaction fee of some kind if you want to find the ordinal and trade it right there from the site. Or if you want to, you know, just do a direct, you know, peer-to-peer -peer transfer of funds and stuff like that, which, by the way, I don't recommend because there's scammer, scammers going to scam. Makes no sense to do it that way when you can actually say, hey, I will give you money for that ordinal we hold on to the money for you know there's a it's called a virtual escrow not a real escrow but virtual escrow you hold the money until it gets transferred and if it doesn't get transferred in five minutes or less uh whatever the time frame you put on there the the money just defaults back into that person the original holders the original payers wallet simple as that super simple stuff i don't know why i have to like tell everybody like how to build things
But I guess maybe I just am smart. It's kind of shocking. Wicked smart. Outsourced. Let's go. Yeah, I'm not going to outsource shit. That's the kind of stuff like someone in this space actually has to live, eat, and breathe to actually make it correct. So that's bullshit. Bullshit response, Brad. Bullshit response. You know, I'm just yanking your leg. I don't think so, dude. I think if I said, yeah, let's outsource it, you'd be all about it. You'd no, be like, I don't yeah, have the I'm time in, man. I'm in Straight it. Straight up, nope, no time. I don't even have the time to like deal with communications between an outsource team right now. Like, bump that. It's a great idea, but nope, not for me. Not outsourcing it is not a great idea, I promise. No, that's hey, not. Hey, outsourcing, right outsourcing work for Pixelmon. I don't see what the problem is. That was some high quality. Dude, they're still building. Those guys are still funny that you just brought that up. Those guys are still building a game. Like this is not unreal. Really? Yeah. They're still building. The thing is, I suppose I suppose it was backed into a corner. It was either spend your life running from people or actually do something about it. Well, it's the amount of money they collected versus how much it cost to build like a casual game. Like ten million dollars or whatever it was, twelve million dollars raised. Like you can easily build a casual game for a half a million dollars. Not a great one, but you know, there's frameworks out there, just like that Dookie Dash stuff, guys. Dookie Dash wasn't invented from the ground up. It was just built on a already pre existing structure. I can't remember the name of game, the game type it is, but there are game types in building like casual gaming like they did with Dookie Dash. Like you could reskin some kind of, I think it's called a runner game where it never stops moving and you have to like move your way around like stuff that comes up and you have to avoid stuff. I think it's called a runner, but it's a casual game. They have lots of infrastructures. There's runners. There's lots of different, I can't remember all the names. It's been a while, but you can Google this shit like structured for ga- structures for games. You just have to reskin. And uh, yep, side scrollers too, man. There's so many side scroller frameworks out there. There's lots of uh, games. Yeah. There's lots of casual type games that have already, that are like 80 to 90% built out. You have to change a little bit of it, reskin it, do things like that in order to make it like a, a, a playable game. That's on brand. Um, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm not saying it, it, it definitely cuts down the amount of work you actually have to do to build a game. Tremors on the stage. What's up, Tremor? Hey, how's it going, Lucas? How are you guys doing? Good, man. You got any input on the game stuff we were just talking about? Yeah, I was just going to corroborate with what you just said. If you're using Unity nowadays, you can basically um, just change the art of an existing game and put it back out. I mean, if if you don't have any any qualms about having a game that's essentially like a ripoff of someone else's game, you could probably produce it for $10,000 and release it. There you go. And that's what I think that's what Yuga did. You know what I'm talking about, Tremor? It's like, uh, I don't know if you know the, the Dookie Dash or not, because I just don't know if you're, you know, playing this, playing these games in the Web3 space, but it's uh, Dookie Dash is definitely one of those already built games that you just reskin and like add, you know, add different elements and then reskin those elements to make it look like more of like on brand. But yeah, it definitely cuts down the time of building something by 90 plus percent so that you can just reskin some stuff and you're good to go. Um, I don't know if that's what you've seen. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, if you go into the casual gaming community, um, especially you know, particularly if you, um, work with unity, uh, unity for, for those who don't know, it's basically like a, a game engine 
So it does most of the heavy lifting for you. And all you have to do is basically code uh, the art and the behavior, specific behavior that you want for your game. But uh, a lot of these routines, like especially if you're doing, like, say, a side scroller game, you know, like move left, move right, put, jump, shoot. Uh, you know, deduct health, increase health, that kind of stuff. It's basically, even if you're not ripping off a game, most of these routines are like, there's so many versions of them published as open source out there that you could literally put this thing together and like. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what, it, I think that's what they did here. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah, what I was say, what's interesting about Dookie Dash, though, the only thing, yeah, because it's just a completely reskinned Infinite Runner game. You know, yes, like Infinite Runner there, game. Right? That's yeah. it. Yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But what's interesting, what they did, though, is, well, what they tried to do, and of course, you know, hackers always win, but they, their anti-cheat mechanics, where they were actually hashing out, you know, collision points and mouse movements and sending it to a server for verification. You know, that that was pretty pretty slick of them to do. Um, again, granted, hackers found that out and looked at the source code and were able to cheat their way around it, but still an interesting kind of way to bring about gaming in Web3. Yeah, I agree. What's up, Ahmad? I'm glad to have you up here, man. What's up, guys? Nothing. It's Just been a while, brother. It's been a while. Where you been? It, it's been a while. I've been so busy with work and life. It's just been chaotic. But... um. I try and jump in through spaces like during like lunchtime because I don't have I try not to take calls on. But yeah, I saw your space popped in. Glad to say hi. Boom. Glad to have you. What's your opinion on this, my man? I jumped in literally when you guys were thinking, but I got disconnected because I was getting brought up to stage. There was a disconnect. Fill me in. Yeah. I mean, we're just talking about like how Dookie Dash is probably a unity um, reskin of a, of a infinite runner game. And everybody's talking like it's uh you know, changing the paradigm and stuff like that. And, you know, great, great work, Yuga. And, you know, don't get me wrong, great work, Yuga, but all they did is reskin an infinite runner game. Um, and then, you know, now they're, they just have really good prizes. So when you're playing, you get a good prize if you win. So what are your thoughts? Um, great question. You know, I think there's a lot to be, I'm just trying to pick my words carefully and just kind of articulate. Don't properly, be scared. But Don't I think scared, there's a man. lot to be, no, it's not that. I just want to like articulate it the right way. Um, but I think there's a lot of excitement revolving around the Web3 space as a whole, um, small or big. And I think, yeah, in the long scheme of runs, like, you know, like that Subway Runner game and all that stuff, everyone's like, oh, they didn't bring you pen to wheel. I agree. However, um, I think it's a step forth to what they're trying to do. And it's a step forth to um, as well as gaining users right like think about um where apecoin went because of their burn mechanism for you to get those extra boosts or whatever they call it it flew through the roof and they garnished a substantial amount of users i think more than anything a few things to dissect are you know their ecosystem is quite large they've got great outreach um to not just the holders but people that want to be a part of that ecosystem and i think as they inch closer to quote unquote you know the other side and what that world and aspect of things is going to look like is I think what more people are excited about because it's given them almost like a, a taste and sneak peek into the near future per se. Um, given that, you know, they've made some big moves with like the um, CEO or CEO, sorry, of Activision being brought on board and et cetera. Um, is it exciting? Yeah. It's, it, it, it's nice to see like, I guess something, you know, as simple as, as Dookie the hash garnish all the attention it did. And it's nice to see that there's interest from, you know, the web two world to see, speaking in as well um and furthermore it was really cool to see um 
how popular it became, right? And, you know, some argue, oh, it's because it's Yuga, everything they put as popular. No, well, Yuga also spent years building their brand name and their little ecosystem, right? Well, not little, but their large ecosystem. Um, I think... Don't you think a prize has something to do with that too? Like they're saying they're going to give away like some oh, really... Oh, for sure. I was going to say, no one would... Here's the thing. I don't think anyone would, anyone would play this game just for bragging rights. If they there was no gifts, there was no prizes, no one would play. How much you want to bet... If we actually told, if, if Yuga goes, hey, FYI, we're not giving away anything. Thanks for playing Dookie Dash. Keep playing. You guys rock. And no one's going to win. Like, I can guarantee you 80 to 90% of people would stop playing this game overnight. But it's, you know, like, the, the argue, and, and not to argue, but, like, the argument to that is that is, like, part of, like, the brand, right? And just me being in marketing, like, at the end of the day, anything to get users or get that engagement or get that interaction like if you're able to execute it great would people play you yuki dash if it wasn't rewards hard to say so right like i'd be oblivious if i said yeah for sure right but i think that's that's the beautiful thing about what you guys trying to do and like what they've cultivated with their not just their own community but the external community um but i don't know i'm i'm it's it's good it's great news it's but what I've been hearing a lot about is, is all this SEC stuff. That's why I, I thought you guys were talking about, which is insane. Yeah. Are you talking about the, like basically them getting sued still over like, like no, no, I'm talking about like stuff? staking as a whole. Oh uh, yeah. I've heard SEC, of, like, yeah, I've heard, I heard about this and I heard they're trying to make it illegal and I'm not sure where they stand with it yet. Um, is it, is it actually been framed as illegal? Are they actually, is there a case law that makes it illegal now? So from what I gather, um, and this is not advice by them. There's no advice. What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't yeah, have to worry about no it. Advice, no financial advice here. But um, <laughs> from what I gather from a lot of like articles that have been kind of like Bloomberg and Financial Times and stuff is that they've already made headway with starting to like ban um, certain coins and certain labs from issuing any further um, staking mechanisms or protocols. So I think to have the Coinbase CEO come out and try and also challenge that in a time like this too. is like, it's saying a lot. I think we're in for a storm with what's going to unveil definitely this year. It's just my personal opinion. Um, at the end of the day, how do I say this? I don't know. You're trying the to be really, wants- you're trying to be ultra PC <laughs> and it's super the government weird. Wants to- no need to be. <laughs> we're not even recording the space, dude. <laughs> No, I know, but still, I just, I have a very hard time, you know, this. I have a hard time like articulating, so I, I have to think before I speak, um, but I think the government wants to understand what they don't, right? And I think the way to do that is when you feel threatened by something that you want to go counterintuitive and say, oh, actually, hold on a second, I'm not going to let you get away from this for much longer because it's not serving me any good. And I think that's where the government sits right now. Um, so you're basically saying, sudden, so you're basically saying, hey, we, I can't make money from this. I'm the U.S. government. None of my politicians in the government can make money off of this because they don't understand it. Now come and explain it to me so we can make money from it and Bingo. then we understand it. Bingo. Does that Hence, sound like, right? I speak from experience. Yeah, pretty much. Like here, let me explain it this way. Canada was amongst the first, like probably the, I think it was the first North American country to legalize cannabis, um, like federally. So why did that happen? It's because I'm, I'm from Toronto. Because they it's like drugs. Because I'm certain, certain point in time well yeah but at a certain point in time and there was black market dispensaries left right and center 
Right. Literally, there were illegal dispensaries, but there was this gray zone that they hadn't like fulfilled yet. So everybody was opening up a dispensary because it wasn't illegal, but it wasn't legal. And why they they why they uh, regulate it? Because well, they're like they realize how big of a market it is, and then they ended up saying, "Oh, nobody can open up cannabis stores anymore. You got to get a license." So they did this like elaborate plan. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna be super fair though. We're gonna do a lottery." So I was like, okay, at that point in time, it was a lottery. You can like, I think you had to have like 20 grand and like no criminal record and you can get a license. Fast forward now, good luck trying to open a stand-up cannabis store. The government owns all of them fully. Like they're literally fully owned and operated by the government. They realize how much money is being made in the industry. And they're like, actually, the chances of you getting one before was, let's just say, this is no like factual figure, but one in 10. Now it's one in a million. You have a better chance of winning a fucking lotto ticket. Um Did we lose him? That's that's where I think the government sits. Uh, we, we lo- I think we lost. And, and I think all. we lost you there for a bro. No, but yeah, here. yeah. I think we lost you for a minute, but it's cool. Um, I'm sorry about that. No, it's okay. Um, I agree. It's. I mean, it's weird that the government. So the government took over dispensary stores in Canada. Uh, they own a substantial part of them now themselves. So you can actually get a license to open one. So, so are you saying they own them? They they co-own them with the founders, or are they? Or they own some them. still some are still co-owned some are not so that's interesting so the government is now your business partner yeah that's i would be out of, i would be out of that business in like two seconds flat but that's the only way you can get a license now so if i if you came to canada and you said i want to open up a dispensary you have to get a license and then you have to get a licensed producer to license you and effectively the brand is owned by the government you can go and stop a name on it but the license isn't yours it's the government's yeah, that's weird, man. Um, isn't that how it is in the United States, though? Too anybody about anybody know about this stuff? I have no clue there. Oh yeah, I I know. No, oh, I'm sure <laughs> you know, Brad. Woo! <laughs> I mean, living out here in Colorado, it's kind of hard not to, you know. Right. Um. Yeah, no. Legitimately, like how it is out here is that you pay an absurd amount in licensing and registration fees to the state. So they make like just hand, money hand over fist in just registration fees because essentially you register and if there's even one minor stipulation or like redlining if you know if anybody yeah you know, if, if there's any sort of redlining that happens on the state side of it um you have to resubmit and you have to pay again you get a little bit of a reduced fee but like it's like the first time you apply it used to be 35 grand for the application fee and if you screwed up and you had to do it again they cut you a deal and the second time you apply it's only like 25 grand and you know, I mean, they could just keep denying you over and over and over again until like everything's perfect the way they want it. Um, in addition to the taxes, um, there was a bill that was signed uh, when it originally went legal back in 2012 or 13 um, that said the first $30 million of tax revenue from the sale of marijuana in Colorado is to go towards like public schools and public educa- the Department of Education for the state. And uh, we hit that every year pretty much by the middle of February. So we charge like a 50% tax on top of the the product. Um, It goes directly to the state. And with the dispensaries, the dispensaries are required to grow um, 70% of their own product via their own you know, warehouses and grow facilities and greenhouses and things like that, but then required to purchase the remaining 30% of product from a state license or like a state 
like ran essentially uh, grow or concentrate facility. And so they're the, the state's getting more money on, on top of that too, but they're, they're not really outside of like inspections and state regulations as far as like making sure that you have security cameras like in your place that are recording and your lines are clean and sterile and like things like that. They really just stay out of it at this point. They'd rather just not get involved. I don't know. Like that, I said, I, think, I don't even know what that meant. You know, so it was too much. That was TMI, bro. I need I need like a 30 second version moving forward. <laughs> I think the government wants their hand in. Again, it's such a big conversation right now where before it was like, oh, this, this tech will never be adopted. And look at the conversations we're having now. We're already talking about safety PCs and like government implementing taxation and protocols and setups like, you know, so again, this is this is this is a way of control. I'll speak again from experience like here in Canada. Um, you have to KYC through every onboarding app that, you know, has you participate in cryptocurrency. And there's now also limitations on your purchases. Um, I believe that number is $30,000 Canadian, which is about 25, 23 and a half USD at this price point. Um, so if I wanted to go buy $35,000 of ApeCoin, I cannot, it is considered illegal. Um, furthermore, as it should two, be. Oh, well, shit. And furthermore, <laughs> the only ones that I can participate in, quote unquote, are BTC and ETH, which obviously, you know, I get it. But again, there's limitations and they're shutting down, um, what you might call it, exchanges left, right and center. We haven't been able to access like Binance since like 2020, 2021. It's insanity. Yeah. yeah but what about like the, the, the true DEXs, SushiSwap, Uniswap, you know, I mean, like. The unfortunate part about that is, is like, you're entering such a black area there too. And it's like, again, like our, our, the way they, our government right now, like Trudeau, so the liberals are so anti crypto I don't know if anybody can, not, hey, hey Ahmed, you, I'd li we lost you again there. I don't know if anybody else is losing them. Oh, oh no, I can hear him. He cut out, he didn't cut out for you at all? No. Oh, okay, keep no, going. I just muted myself. Oh, well, yeah. Don't, Sorry, I just don't, muted myself. I was like, yeah, I was going to say our government. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just said our government is so anti-crypto. So they're doing everything they can to instate like regulations and participation limitations for you to not be able to play around with it. Look at like, again, like, and it's shitty because we have such a growing economy here. Like we're still like, our economy here is a baby. Like we're still growing. We're a new country, right? And it shies, it pushes everybody out of here. Even me, myself right now, I'm, building two platforms I'm trying to work on in tech, I don't want to host them here. I don't want to participate here. Why? Because I know the limitations I'm going to be put through here, right? So I'm already exploring options like the US or abroad, like overseas. And it sucks because rather than trying to adopt technology and like help flourish it and push forth innovation, you're doing the opposite because you don't understand it. And that's what sucks about, you know, what's happening right now as a whole with government bodies and crypto and NFTs and Web3 and everything. So if they catch you, um, is it like, are, is there like an actual like penalty or do they just seize assets? Like, or are they going to try to like put you in jail for trading crypto on PancakeSwap? I have to be completely honest with you. I have no clue. Um, I can only imagine that assets would be seized and amongst other limitations. I don't think it'd be as far as going to jail um, in that regard, but I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I just know it's, it's illegal. Um, you should, they don't want you participating in it. They only want you buying a certain amount of things. And again, they're knocking down the idea of like what crypto was built for 
not just print transparency and being anonymous and all this fun stuff and yada 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 and uh, good luck getting onboarded now without having to do a kyc i mean that's fair though i mean crypto was made so that you can be like anonymous but i mean dude like at what point we i mean we knew this was coming at what point do we not we're not anonymous i mean you have to they have to be able to like again they're going to be like where how do we get our taxes from this and if they can't get taxes from this easily you're not going to be anonymous you're right so you're absolutely right and i think the conversation i've been trying to like not push but just have with everybody is like it's because it's split everyone's like people are pro-regulation some are anti-regulation i'm like the conversation that we need to be having is let's cut the shit regulation is coming it's imminent it's not changing nobody's going to change that they're going to like try and regulate this they're going to introduce their own limitations and circumstances and authorities the conversation that needs to be had is like who do we want sitting at that table helping make those rules and helping make those laws and helping make those regulations? And that's why every time I join a space, it's like, regulation sucks. Yeah, okay, it does. I get it. I, I really get it. But like, we're over that. Like, it's not going anywhere. It's coming. So you're going to have to get with it and then try and figure out, like, how do we make the best of it? How do we make regulation work for us? So which in retrospect has, you know, contradicting as a sound because that's not the point of regulation. But how do we start to have those conversations, right? Yeah. I think it's interesting that people still don't want to talk about that. It's definitely weird to me. Like I want, I want regulation and here's why I want it. It'll make the space safer and it'll, you won't have any, any ambiguity with like taxes and all the other things that go with this. There's like zero guidance on any of this stuff and everybody's shooting in the dark, trying to do it the right way. And how are you supposed to do it the right way when there's no straight directives on how to do it? I know so the many. Counter, yeah, go ahead. The counter, and I agree with you to the most part, but the counter argument there too is that, again, I'm just speaking from my personal use case. Like, I'm not freely allowed to participate in this world anymore as a Canadian citizen, right? Um, again, it's 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 not so much like the transparency and the security and etc. It's again like, where does regulation stop? Does regulation maybe stop one day? I'm just speaking out loud here and you can't purchase any cryptocurrency if it's not a CDDC that's approved by the government. Does the regulation stop when you can only purchase BTC through your bank, right? And again, does regulation stop where now there's centralized exchanges and centralized blockchains all over and those are the only ones you can participate in anything else is is is, is illegal. Again, these that's why, this is why I always strive to like, I'm like, it's not, it's not not coming, that's for sure. But again, how do we make it work? Not just in our favor, but how do we make it work for us? How do we make it work for the little guy and the big guy, right? And I think that's where people haven't started to talk about yet because everyone's still stuck with, I'm pro-regulation, I'm anti-regulation. And I think that's not pushing the space forth in no means. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't want to talk about this knowing that it's literally our future, right? We don't really have a choice. Like when this happens, it's going to come whether we want it or not. I think these maxis out here are just like, no, I want no regulations forever. I'm happy the way things are. That's great. We were happy the way things were when we all had horses and then they built the car and then no one wanted to get a car. They all thought their horses were enough and look where they're at now, right? Nobody has, nobody has a horse. <laughs> it's for recreation only. And uh, we're all driving fucking cars. So, um, Tremor, what's up, man? 
I just want to corroborate what were uh, being said here before about um, you know um, Canada being a little too strict. I, I don't live in Canada. My ex does, and my kids do, so I keep up with what they're doing there. And it just sounds like they're not just trying to control Bitcoin. They're just trying to control you in every aspect of your life, what you can say, what you cannot say. And it's looking kind of scary in, in, in countries where that's possible to be done, you know? I mean, and, we've been doing uh, that. Haven't they, haven't they done that forever though? Like name a country that no. doesn't try to control you and what you say. Uh, dude. Even the U S government does. Everybody does. Like it's, it's part of the deal. It's, Hey, they preach individuality and then they force you into conformity uh, in every in every community, regardless if it's the U S regardless if it's, um, somewhere in the middle East, regardless if it's like in Europe, like they, they can't let you be this outlier person. Um, I don't know. It just seems like the more noise you make, the more you could become a target for people who are asking you to not make the noise. So again, it's, it's up to you whether you want to be an outcast in that community. So you, you get to decide. Um, anyway, that's just my opinion, at least. Not saying it's right, by the way. I'm just saying that's how that's how communities work. You could be a part of a community in a neighborhood somewhere, and that neighborhood might not accept you playing loud music, as an example. And all of a sudden, you're like, "Man, I'm really upset. Like, I, I don't get to play my loud music." And they're like, "Well, but is it a, is it that much of a problem? You're just not allowed to like blare your music at the in the middle of nowhere and uh, have all these people complaining about you? Or should we be actually?" Um, you know, doing what everybody else is doing here and like respecting each other. And like your idea of respect might be different than somebody else's. I don't know. Like I said, I'm just talking here. I don't really know the answer. I just know that us going, I want to be free of everything means you want to be free of like government then because all governments and all communities want you to be act a certain way. Um, And yeah, for certain, there are definitely special reasons why they do it. Um, I don't know why um, in some cases, but, you know, it's good to question it, I guess, but not really going to do anything no matter how much we question it. They're just going to come up with regulations and you can be mad or you could be or you can move. I mean, those are the options, right? Go ahead, uh, Brad. Yeah, dude, I think it's like it really there's 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 no way to stop CBDCs at this point. There's too many major players involved. Um, and it's going to be, it's not really a problem until, until essentially we go back to like, uh, you know, the mining eras where like, well, you can only buy groceries with the CBDC or you can only buy gas for your car because they want all cars electric. And if you're going to pay gas, you have to use their CBDC. You know, it's going to be like, if they start imposing, how you can spend it or requiring that currency as the only accepted currency for a certain product or good, that's when we're going to have some serious problems. But at this point, I mean, we're so far from that even being a possibility. I mean, I think we're realistically probably three years out from CBDCs being, you know, uh, happening and being traded and whatnot freely. Um, And then at least 10 years out from the point where they're you know, would be imposed upon like that to where they're being required by some entity. Does anybody know what a CBDC is here? Are we, are we just like talking acronyms and just expecting everybody to know what it means? A CBDC is a centralized 
banking digital currency or central bank digital currency. There you go, you wee lass. I love it. There we go. We got to say the right stuff because a lot of people that are listening to this don't know what that means. So respect. Okay, cool. It's hard in tech to not just throw around acronyms like everywhere. Yeah, it's also hard to not just assume that people know everything too. I agree with that as well. Like I'm always, I'm always like trying to, I, I, I default to explaining to people. And I actually had somebody reach out to me the other day and go, stop mansplaining that to me. And I was like, what? Like I was just explaining it just in case not everybody in the space like heard it. And they're like, you totally mansplained it. I'm like, I am a man. And I explained it. That doesn't make it mansplaining. But okay. Um, this is the weirdest comment I've ever had in the DMs. I just was like, block. Bye-bye. Can't come into my space anymore. <laughs> Red, go ahead. Um, first of all, mic check. Do I sound all right? Yeah, you're good, man. All right. No, earlier I was bugging you. Um, let's take a deep breath on Canada, please. I've been living here since 2002. I am a Canadian citizen. Uh, I love the country for what it is. And yes, we can talk about the politics of it all day. But one thing I'll tell you, and I've been seeing this since the day of satellite cards being hacked and, you know, you're trying to get the most channels out of the TV, um, cutting your telecom companies, whatnot. All they can do is put out statements, throw out scare tactics. Um, The only way it gets serious is when you get a letter from your ISP telling you, Hey, stop this. Unless you tell me that there is somebody thrown in jail right now or charged and sitting at a court case because of crypto, all it is is a scare tactic because they, like you said, they don't know what they're doing. And what they need is people that are calling themselves pioneer of the space is this conversation has come up before. Like, what about when the government comes in? Well, the big boys are going to come to play very soon. And what we need to show them is that this is the way, because at the end of the day, the founder of the project or the guy at the head of the lead of a project or a vision that's got the people supporting it through their money and words and being there, that's what matters. And that's one thing we need to realize is that NFT and Web3 is a collective coming together, something that we didn't get right with humanity on a IRL basis, we can get it right here. That was my two cents. I'm not sure what that even means because all of the, <laughs> all of the negative humanity tra- human traits are 100% alive and possibly worse in this space. So I don't know 100%. what that means. Like toxic toxicity wise, the worst of the human traits are here. Cause a lot of people are anonymous and they feel like they can say whatever they want because it won't tarnish their reputation when they slander other right. people in the space. So I think that's something. And I think there's very little, to me at least, there's very little patience for people in this space to have any kind of an opinion other than, um, you know, unregulate, stay unregulated, all this stuff. I'm telling you right now what's going to happen in this space. And you can actually quote me on this if you want at some point. You don't have to, of course. But if they're going to make crypto illegal and they're going to give you a waiting time to exchange for their digital currency and say, hey, for all the ETH, this is how much this is worth. So you can exchange your ETH for this. You can exchange your Bitcoin for this. You can exchange whatever you have for this. You have a window and you exchange it. And then by the time that window closes, all other crypto in that case 
becomes illegal to use in that country. That's the way they'll do it. They did it like that in the 30s and in the 20s when they were exchanging like gold pieces for like the war effort or the impending trying to get out of uh, trying to get out of the uh, big recession that was happening back then, which is, uh, you know, that's what Theodore Roosevelt thought would work is just exchange your gold pieces and we'll give you the money for it. But we're going to melt this stuff down and, you know, try and get us out of the uh, Great Depression. And I can tell you that's going to happen here. They're going to be like, look, we're going to make a currency that's completely controlled and regulated by us. And you guys are going to exchange your crypto in for that. And they'll give you a window to do it. And then it's done. That's it. I mean, that's what I think will happen. Like, why would you have Bitcoin and Ethereum and things you can't control out there? when you can just control your own digital currency. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I'm not sure it's going to come true. I actually just think it is. So thoughts, reactions. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Imagine. I was going to say, if I could put a consensus on what happens with major blockchains, BTC to chime in on, as I think that my outlook on BTC is in the next, decade or so as it becomes it does become a world legal tender of trade um, there's a lot of countries that are you guys hear me yeah man oh sorry lucas muted himself so i just figured i, I ch- jumped out but um i think btc becomes a legal tender for worldwide trade um, and becomes a store of value that's that's my personal guess on where i see btc um now as to what lucas was saying uh, around cdc's i agree like obviously in the world and governments that we live in, like how do we not expect, you know, for them to want to control their, these currencies on blockchain, right? At the end of the day, like, again, I hopefully agree obviously with like how the way they're going to build regulation, but we'd be naive to think that these bodies of government are just going to continue to let us live in the wild, wild West here. Really, you know, no, no custody, no regulation, nothing. And for them to not have and want a piece of it, right? If we want a piece of it and let's quote unquote, we're the little guys or we're the ones who are making money off it. You think the big guys with billions and trillions of dollars that can monopolize this or regardless of monopolize it or not, can knock it out of the park and take a chunk out of it? We'd be foolish to think so. And that's, again, this is why I continuously say we need to get over this narrative of, oh, well, blockchain and crypto was to become anonymous. Well, we're past that. That's long gone. There's still, there's, there's still that anonymous aspect to it which i think but i think more than anything it's the tech and the transparency that like that's super super beautiful about it too right and i think again a conversation needs to start being had is how do we make this work for both the countries and the governments and its people who do we want sitting up there on that table making those rules who do we want sitting up there making these regulations that are going to benefit us little guys over just the bodies of government it's going to be like, it's going to be the same as it always has been, man. It's going to be, uh, you know, their friends, their buddies. It's going to be nepotism. They pick winners every single time. This space does the same shit, by the way. You, you, might, might, you guys might not recognize it, but if you want NFTs to be somewhere and get promoted and all that stuff, there, there are people picking winners right now in this space. And you can't go anywhere without doing business with these people who are gatekeeping in the space. Like, it's just the way it is. They want to control it as long as they can. 
until someone else comes in and tries to control it. And again, it's these people are the reason why they're trying to control it is they want to be the biggest voices in these, in these spaces, um, just in audio spaces, let's just say, for example, so that when some company comes in and tries to acquire like something in this space, they go through them. Some company wants to enter the space. They go through them. If they don't go through them, they like basically FUD the project. I mean, look at Porsche. Porsche came into the space. Yes, they were a high price, but who cares what price they were at, right? At the end of the day, if you, if it's too high price for you, don't buy a 0.911 Porsche NFT, right? That's the answer. And, and instead of people doing that, they complained and complained and said Porsche did it wrong. And the reason why Porsche did it wrong, after every statement, someone saying Porsche did it wrong, you should have come to me and I would have taken a bunch of money from you to help you into the space the right way. They had some of the biggest and more very important people that have worked with brands in the space so far help them into the space. They just didn't go through the gatekeepers communities. And that's why all of them hated on the Porsche drop. They didn't go through the right people. So those people tried to FUD the project, which is horrible way of doing business. Imagine that in, in the real world, when a business like launches and someone's like, Hey, or like, here's a good example. Someone wants to launch a website and you're like a website development house. Imagine if they go, Oh, well, this company here, and there, there's a power, there's like some powerful like website guy on the internet. You know, he's got like a million Twitter followers. Goes, oh, this this website is shit, and the company is shit for not going through. You know, basically, it's a shitty website, horrible execution, horrible this, horrible that. And oh, by the way, if someone that works there wants to reach out to me, we can help build. You know, build your website better than what they did. Even though the website's fine, he's just flooding the website because they didn't go through him. Imagine a business that did that. Everybody would just look poorly on them. Like, why are you complaining about this company not having a good website? It's clearly, they have a decent website, but you're just hating. And that's what this, this space is. It's so small. People are trying to control it right now. And if anybody steps in the way of that control, which, by the way, we have centralized control here. <laughs> centralized over, like, we have centralized, like, uh, gatekeepers here, guys. So I'm just saying. Like we want, we want decentralization, but we want to centralize gatekeeping and, and authority in the space. I think it's insane. Go ahead, Brett. Yeah, man. Uh, a couple of things. I definitely want to, to, to piggyback on, on some of what, uh, Ahmed was saying. Um, yeah, he like left. He, he left. Yeah, yeah. He didn't like, he but, didn't like me saying centralized authority in the space, which by the way, we all know is true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody here is paying an internet provider. Right. And it's probably either no, Verizon no, 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 or no, Century. No. I'm talking, or, I'm, I'm I mean, talking like, about I'm talking about like influencers in this space hold people back and complain and will will like complain about a project if they didn't get paid by the project. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's dude. what I'm well, talking I mean, about. Look at Porsche. Have you, have you seen Porsche? Paul, well, look at Paulie self-destructing right now. It's hilarious. Yeah, like, but Porsche is the Porsche like is the main one though, dude. So Porsche oh, Porsche, dude. Porsche, I, the, I think I think they did a great job. Let's not forget that Tiffany's NFT was 30 ETH. Yeah, but like, no, that's nobody, what they were charging. guess what? Nobody complained really that much because nope, guess what? They, sold they, out. they put the right money in the right hands for the right gatekeepers to say, okay, yeah, Tiffany's go. Well, I mean, I always, I, my, my favorite reference to everybody that keeps flooding the Porsche project, right, is that it was, uh, I think it's the head of Lamborghini 
or Ferrari, I can't remember which one, that said, uh, yeah, we don't advertise on television because our target audience isn't sitting around watching television. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, there's a reason done. why they're not sitting around watching television. They're out crushing it and making money so they could afford a goddamn fancy car. That's why. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like the people that own like those super exotic, like rare sports cars and whatnot, it's like 99% of them, like, yeah, they're like stupid loaded rich. And because of that, they're far too busy to like sit around and watch television. Like they have so much more shit going on than you would ever imagine to have going on. You know, and they're looking for niche products. They're looking to be, you know, I mean, they don't care what the price is. You know, I think Porsche, I think Porsche did a great job. I think the timing was bad as far as like how it was. I mean, we were still in a bear. I think we're still in a bear. We are still in a bear, dude. Nothing's yeah. changed. We just, yeah. we just got distracted by ordinals. We got distracted by checks. We got distracted by open editions. And now we're back to square one of being in a bear. And like, I mean, 153,000 jobs were lost in 2022 in the last, like basically the last quarter of 2022, 48,000 jobs lost in January and of 2023. And let me tell you, those were not like regular jobs. Those are white collar tech jobs. Like I know lots of people that lost their jobs in those cuts and not because they were bad at their job, just because, you know, tech companies use downturns of the market to have an excuse to let go people they don't really want to let go of, but they want to cut the bottom line. And it's from 1970s mentality of like how you do finance finances. I saw Facero's hand up. Go ahead, my man. No, I was going to jump back in about, um, about the, the, the conversation about decentralized and freedom. Um, because I think it's a lot of people think that uh, it changes wherever you are in the world. And I know that some countries are heavily suppressed. But having spent a lot of time in China and discussing sort of politics with people over there, and that's Americans as well as Chinese, um, I, I've sort of come to the conclusion that it, it's packaged differently, but the majority of governments are the same. You have a feeling of freedom and free speech in the West, but you don't really have a great deal of say. So, you know, and, and that's not to say that the East and especially China uh, do things correctly because they don't. They are quite bad in many ways and won't go into that one. Um, but it's the same with sort of this whole decentralization. You know, people think that they are heading for freedom, but they're not. You know, you want the masses to on board. We're going to end up in a situation where the corporates come in and they want control. So it, it swings and roundabouts. You're never getting away from the centralization. Uh, and I think for growth, that's going to happen anyway. And, you know, so long as there's an element of control by the early uh, innovators, then I, th I think it's only going to be good for the space. I agree. Quite heavily there. I agree. I agree. What's up, Tremor? I know you had something to say, Tremor. Come on, man. All right. Yeah, I I, uh, I just see a scary trend going in that direction. Not so much in terms like I I hear what uh, Lucas was saying, and I and I 100% agree with the fact that every government is going to try try and standardize the way people behave because it just makes everything more manageable that way. But uh, I think there's a difference between, say, like, you know, um, forcing you not to say something versus forcing you to say something. When, when, when speech became, becomes compelled, 
uh, I think it, it it changes a little bit the nature of what what is being done. You know, that you're going into like actually like standardizing the way people think, and I think that's kind of dangerous. Yeah, I don't think there's a. Here's the deal: like you're free to say what you want. The problem is, you're just because it's free to say something doesn't come with consequences of your of your words ha- words having actions. So you can you're free to say things but there are consequences to like inciting a riot. You're free to say stuff, you know what I mean? Like but there are consequences to like saying saying the wrong words to a bank teller, you know what I mean? Like you're free to say it. It's just whether or not um they're going to they're going to, you know what I mean, see that as like a a robbery. <laughs> So it's, it's, you're free to say these things in our society. The problem is there's consequences to what you say. And if there's a law or that are, that's encompassing your cut, the, what you're about to say, then I say, don't, don't do it. And, you know, you want complete freedom, go live on a Island somewhere and preach crazy, you know, cra- crazy conspiracy theories or, or talk the way you want to talk. You think that the government's out to get you. Like for me, I don't think the government's completely out to get you. I think uh, I think it's more along the lines like just be a decent human being in this world and say things that don't hurt people. And I don't think they care. Like as long as you're not upsetting the apple cart or like trying to do finances without them taking a piece of your financial, like, I mean, that's what taxes are, right? You don't want to pay your taxes and you, you go and use crypto and people are like decentralized. We don't need middlemen. At the end of the day, we don't need middlemen, but with, with middlemen, there's protections. With centralization, there is a type of protection that you would not get in uh, the crypto world right now. And I don't think that's acceptable. I don't think it's, oh, I clicked the wrong button and I lost $500,000. It's totally my fault. Um, yep. And I just lost literally a half a million dollars or $100,000 or whatever it is. Like That's not, I don't think that's the, that's the way. I think that's dumb. All you have to do is click a link and you lose everything. That's that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Nowhere in the internet, not even in internet history has that ever happened, by the way. Like even in the beginning of the internet in the, in the late 90s, you couldn't click something and lose all of your funds. You just couldn't do it. It's impossible to do. You might have lost your funds, but you're FDI, FDIC insured. You just get it back. Um, if someone robs you, it's it comes back to you. That's why there's insurance. So in this case, people lose lots of this, lots of their funds. And I can't remember what it was. It was like billions of dollars. Mintify had a number. Billions of dollars were lost in 2022. Crazy amounts of money of like people getting scammed. And I don't know why we keep calling it scammed. We're getting, these are hacks. If you click a link and you lose all your money, that's them hacking you. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, you click, no one forced you to click a link. Well, if they disguise it as a link that to something else or, you know, they, they hack into somebody else's like Twitter account and they leave a link, that's what we call hacking. Whether or not the account left a link or they did Google search, you know, paid ads so that you click a link and you get robbed, that's still hacking. They hacked Google in order to put up a paid link to a site that drains your wallet. Like that's all hacking guys. And everybody keeps talking about, Oh, you got scammed. You did it to yourself. No, you got hacked. (laughs) It's, 
And, uh, you know, you, if Google, Google doesn't allow that to happen on purpose, if they could find it before it happens, they would totally squash that stuff. They're not all for profit guys. I mean, don't get me wrong. They are a for profit company, but if you're getting scammed, no one wants to lose. No one, no one wants you to lose your money. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah, man. I just wanted to say, uh, I, I got to jump. I got to hop on a call, but thank you for the space, dude. This is uh, another wicked smart space. And I, I appreciate everybody here in the room. Word. Yeah. I'm going to close down the space and like three minutes so whoever whatever anybody's got else to say let me know right now this is your chance all right thanks guys i'm all good good to see you brad it's an interesting conversation it is right it's an interesting conversation you just don't know like what we're gonna come up with here but i always think i don't know i always think that this is uh people have this like glorious idea of what web three is like it's this utopian space um what society used to be can i tell you i thought the same thing when i came into this space everybody got along with everybody it didn't matter where you were from what walk of life i connected with people who literally mowed lawns for a living um and i hadn't mowed a lawn in 30 years you know so like for me it's um, and I also connected with people who are like waiters and waitresses and actors and actresses and singers and songwriters and, you know, celebrities like nothing like me. I'm a tech. Uh, I've been in the startup and tech space for 20 years. I've run big companies, uh, divisional divisions of big companies, and I've run a lot of startups and uh, run a lot of like tech companies. And let me tell you, I never would have sunk, like had uh, conversations with any of you guys. I was stuck in my tech, my tech bubble. Um, I knew three, 4,000 people maximum. And I just talked with those people on a regular basis. Talk about echo chamber, right? So spaces has opened up everything for me. And I can tell you right now, it's not a utopian space. Web three is only utopian when everybody's making money. And even when everybody's making money, there are a few people that still don't understand how to make money. Even when everybody else is making money and they're, they're salty and angry and, I mean, I don't miss the death threats. I would get five a day just doing spaces for like 10 hours a day. I would get death threats. Just like, I want you dead. You didn't let me up to speak. I want you dead. You let me up to speak. And then I started making crazy noises and you removed me. How dare you? This is a free place to speak. Why? What? And I'm like, no, it's not too. This is my space. Go start your own. You can't come up here and start making crazy noises and expect me to leave you up here. So it's not utopian. It's Twitter spaces. We're on an audio channel right now chatting with each other and people are just like they are in real life, actually worse here because they're behind a keyboard, they're behind a screen and they think no one can touch them. No one can, you know, have, you can have a conversation and be somebody you're not in real life. And then if you ever meet the person in real life, they're like five foot three, five foot four, I'm six foot five. I've met a lot of people from here and they were really, um, they were big jerks in, on spaces and you meet them in real life, they're the nicest people in the world because when you get behind a keyboard, it's kind of like getting behind the wheel of a car. You start yelling at people and you know, thinking that, oh, you're the best driver in the world and everybody else sucks. But as soon as you have to like stop and someone gets out of that car you're yelling at, shit gets real, real fast. And you're like, maybe I shouldn't have said those things. I am a real person, you know, like, oh no. And that person's bigger than me. Thing is like, just be a good person. Like be kind, your opinion doesn't always matter. Just like my opinion doesn't always matter. The down, the thing is like, I have the mic and maybe you don't and that's okay. Start your own space. But I think again, just, 
I wanted to be utopian here. And it was, it felt like it. The first couple of months doing spaces, I was like, look at this. All of us walks, different walks of life, tons of different things going on with everybody else's lives. And here I am communicating with them, having a great time, enjoying myself. And that stuff, you know, came to an end real quick at the end of August of 2021. People were crazy, man. And uh, you can't stop or control that kind of stuff from like people. They're humans. They're going to have like off days. They're going to not like you for just the way other people love you. You might be up here talking and they're like, wow, that guy is really put together, really knows how to talk to people. It's really awesome. And they hate you for it because you're not, because they can't do it themselves or they're too scared to do it themselves or whatever the case may be. It's always going to be that way. And uh, I would love the web three to space to be that way, but we have the exact same shit in web three because it's such a small community, people gatekeeping, people um, doing uh, things that are like, you know, nepotistic where they're like only letting their friends into the inner circle. They're not letting anybody else in. They, they talk collaboration with really they gatekeep and block like box you out if they don't like you, if they don't know you. It's garbage, dude. Like I'm pretty open. People can come up here and chat and it's your A to lose with me. Everywhere else, collaboration is not welcome. They they preach it and then they don't do it. So I put a I put out a message right now. People who talk collaboration, try and collaborate with them. See what happens. 99% of the time they're going to be like, "Nope." So this I'm a collaborator. I think collaboration's the only way to grow in this space. And Everybody who says they collaborate, they only collaborate with bigger people than they are. They only leverage things where they see opportunity. They don't really want to collaborate with just anybody. They want to collaborate with like, oh, I have 70,000 followers and he only has 50. So I'm going to collaborate with someone that has 100,000 followers. And that's legit. That's business, guys. The, the choice you have is to grow and become somebody that's worth collaborating with. That's the answer. Anyway, uh, that's the end of the show today, guys. Thanks for being here. Not a very large audience, but guess what? We're still figuring this out. We'll still figure it out together, right? Let's invite some more people next time. Let's have some more conversations. Maybe we make the chat a little bit longer. I don't know. I used to have very good success of like an eight-hour, 10-hour space, but I mean, yeah, of course I do because someone's willing to pop in here because they're just look, looking around spaces. I need to cut the time down so I can actually be super productive at work too. I got work to do, man. So anyway, it was such a great time today. It was refreshing to just have a, a chat with regular people and have fun. So end of the space. Thanks for coming. To see you tomorrow on Wicked Smart. Appreciate it, Jack. Peace. Oh, cool. yeah. Thanks for the space, Lucas. Thanks for being here, Thanks. guys. Bye, guys. You guys rock. Later, guys. Yeah, see you later.